Welcome to Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose, where we pull back the curtain on running a financial advisory business focused on providing intentional advice to couples and families. I'm Dennis Morton. And I'm Katie Brown. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. We have a fun topic for today. This is good. It is good. We are going to talk about ego and how sometimes we let our ego get in the way of some things that we're trying to accomplish and how that can potentially show up in positive or negative ways, oftentimes the the latter of the two. So Dennis, why don't you kick us off with this? Right. So fortunately, we work in an industry where there are no egos. that's, That's really... We're so blessed that whether it comes to salespeople or investors, or anything, everyone's very humble, you know, and I've just always been <laughs> wowed by that. There is a constant batting away, yeah, I think, yeah. in so, industry. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Is it ever? And it shows up, you know, at a micro level. I think confidence can trip into a lot of ego sometimes, whether it's advisor confidence and being on the one who can promise you better returns or whatever it might be, or investors thinking they can do it all. But you want to start with kind of the, the egregious examples of the last few years. Look, yeah. Just look back over the last four or five years and the bubbles that expanded and burst, especially if you look at things like cryptocurrency and if you've ripped from the headlines, the stories of FTX and the trial of Sam Bankman-Fried and, and what's happened with his conviction, there's some great podcasts out there. A lot, a lot of ink has been spilled. There are books coming out. And um, Barry Ritholtz did an interview with an author who has a new book coming out called Number Go Up. And that was the strategy around cryptocurrency. Is like the only philosophy around it is the number is going to go up. There's no there, there. And, and that was literally what they were doing. And you talk about the ego that we encountered in 2021 where people were flush with cash. They were chasing after returns. And they were defining winning by having the most. And cryptocurrency was going to the moon, NFTs were, you know, SPACs, all of this other wonky stuff that has since collapsed mostly. I mean, you look at the numbers on non-fungible tokens have just gone, a lot of them have gone to zero. Cryptocurrency exchanges have gone bankrupt and all this other stuff. But it was a lot of ego showing up. We unearthed an ad, there was an ad posted on Twitter, which was an FTX ad, a cryptocurrency ad, where Sam Bankman-Fried had a quote on there. It said, I'm very skeptical of books. I don't want to say no book is ever worth reading, but I actually do believe something very close to that. And you and I were just floored by that statement, but not surprised. Wow. Yeah. Immediately, my, my first reaction is, he truly thinks he knows everything he needs to know at this point in his life, and there's nothing left to learn. Yeah. He's 32, by the way, today. That, that is unbelievable. And I recognize there are lots of different ways to take in content education, but books are classic. <laughs> and to say, I'm done with books. I'm done with that for the next, I don't know, 60, 70 years. And like you said, it's in his thirties, not even halfway through living his life, likely. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and I think back to the early stages of, of my career when I had a liberal arts education, read lots of novels and fiction and nonfiction alike, and I thought, I need to catch up. I, all this finance stuff, I, I need to figure out. And I, I read all these books, but it's not really applicable to what I'm doing. 
This is like the most Shakespearean ego quote, because truthfully, when you get into finance, there is so much ego involved and so much pride that it's straight out of Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And there's the collapse. And you have these figures, whether it's star managers or founders of companies, there's just a, a litany of people who you see that the ego is the trap, that that's that's the enemy. In fact, that was a book a couple of years ago that um, Ryan Holiday, the, the, who runs the Daily Stoic and has written a lot of Stoic philosophy, he has a book called Ego is the Enemy. And one of his quotes from the book is, your potential, the absolute best you're capable of, that's the metric to measure yourself against, your standards. Winning is not enough. People can get lucky and win. People can be jerks and win. Anyone can win, but not everyone is the best possible version of themselves. And I think that's just, it's a hard thing in finance because it's quantifiable. You can point and say, I'm winning because I'm up, I'm up or I'm down. I have a percentage that's better than your percentage, but that's not the conversation. Right, right. And I love that it says your standards, like to be the best version of yourself, to live up to your own standards or to set your own personal goals against yourself sometimes I think is mm -hmm. the way to go. Cause you're right. Any, anybody can win. And, and if you focus on the winning and losing, you miss out on the process and the growth that might go along with it. Very true. I'm embracing the journey, not the destination. Even things like we talk all the time. One of the most powerful things that we use as a visual for clients is that uh, the Callan chart or the periodic table of investments, which is a, a quilt of all the different investments you can own plotted by their performance over the years. So the ones at the mm -hmm. top are the best performers, ones at the bottom are the worst. Mm -hmm. And defining winning by what's on top, you're having to change your stripes almost every year. Mm -hmm. How exhausting. Oh my goodness. Yeah. If you say like what's going to be, especially the last couple of years, I mean, cash has been at the bottom for any number of years and suddenly it's kind of perched at the top for a couple of years and it is exhausting. It's, it's taxing. And that, that definition of, of success, I, I think you really do have to embrace, embrace the process. Yeah. You know, I can't help but think, I'm sorry, going back to this quote again by Sam Bakeman Fried, I would love to see like my dad's reaction to a quote like this. I think I've shared before, when I think about lifetime learning in books, my dad would read a book a week a book every couple of days. He's read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books and all growing up every single night for a period of time, he would sit with his book. He'd read his book, but next to him at all times was a Webster dictionary. At any time he came across a word that he didn't fully understand in the context, or he wondered what is the deeper meaning of this? or And he, he would look up the word, the actual definition, the synonyms that he would like study the words within the books. And I think when I was younger, I always thought that was a little strange, but as an adult, I so appreciate that desire to continue learning and to expand your knowledge base, not just what's in the book, but just with language. That's really cool. It's almost like an active versus passive. Like there's passive reading where you're just kind of taking in the pages and everything. I always have a pencil with me. So a lot of my books are, the spines are misshapen because I'm shoving pencils in to mark my place. But I always, I was taught early on to have a pencil with you so that you're kind of underlining the things and taking a, an active role. But that's even more extreme where you're just literally stopping, engaging with the, the language that much deeper. That's really cool. Yeah. So the Ryan Holiday quote, like you can get lucky and be passive and win in certain circumstances. The challenge is what are you getting out of it? Right. Is there any yield to this? Are you learning a new word? Are you learning a new phrase? Is it, is it becoming something useful to you and others in the course of it. 
And, and do you value that too? Mm-hmm. Because if you get lucky and win, how much work was put into the process? How much personal fulfillment did you receive from it? I, I think the things that that really give energy are things that you do grow in the process. You learn throughout the process. There's kind of a personal fulfillment. And so I do like the idea of being very clear on your values, your standards, and the things that you want to accomplish personally when it comes to sort of the winning game. But also, if we kind of go back to ego, the self-awareness a little bit like, okay, I might not be the best in this area. How do I learn? How do I grow? Who else is going to help me on this journey so that we can win together as a team or we can set some of those common goals? I think that's really important too. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. This is a this is a challenging conversation based on my background and how I kind of grew up in the industry. The financial industry largely teaches you to make yourself indispensable, to, to be the person. That's what, there's a lot of lone wolf mentality that exists in finance. That, that that's why you see star advisors, you see star investors, that type of thing. It's it's very difficult to break out of the ego trap, and it's something I've, I've definitely had to work on over the years is to, you know, delegation and how to incorporate a, a larger team. I think you and I have been very intentional in, in building out this team and saying that the irony of, of our firm is that the less it's about Morton and Brown, the better mm-hmm. that it has to be about other people being highly competent professionals, but it's challenging. And one of the ways we've done that is by having outside voices at the table and we'd like to think that that's a role that we play with clients is sitting across the table from them and helping to keep at bay some of those ego instincts. And ego is not always a bad thing. I mean, there's healthy ego and sense of self, but making sure it doesn't creep into financial decision making. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love that old saying, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think that can actually be a freeing feeling because I think embracing that and acknowledging you don't know all the things. So let's bring in other people that may know something more and different than I know. And I I think that you can give yourself permission to say, it's okay that I don't know it. I'm going to surround myself with people that are on the same path or on a similar path of let's learn this together. Let's support one another. I I do think that third party voice at the table is, is so helpful for conversations when you're trying to navigate new things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why we, why we do the podcast and videos and everything else is this is us thinking out loud and, and learning stuff. We're trying to take it, turn it around. My wife, Gina had a, a great kind of line. I think it was last year we were talking about budgeting and just the ways that we spend money on ourselves, right? Like what are the things that we would spend on ourselves? And she encountered a, um, I don't know if it's Ramit Sethi or some, somebody she heard say, I manage my expenses, but I have no book budget. Books are always on the table. Like we can always spend on that. And, and just that idea, and I've taken that to heart. Like there's a couple of new books coming out recently. Like Morgan Housel has a new book coming out. Mm-hmm. I think um, Shane Parrish from uh, Farnham Street has a new book coming out. And I've just gone on Amazon and said, let's, let's get them in here just to keep feeding that. And those are two people particularly who they're on the journey and kind of latching onto that is helpful. And in our own way, I'd like to think that we do that for the the community that we serve. Mm -hmm. I think it's also interesting to recognize too, once again, going back to FTX, if you stay in your own mind for too long and you kind of get set in, I have all the answers, at some point, something punches you in the face. (laughs) 
And maybe I shouldn't use that phrase. No. Oh, I was gonna say, that's the it's first all great thing. until you get punched in the face. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's Mike Tyson, <laughs> to paraphrase me. That's, that's the first time Katie's quoted Mike Tyson on the podcast. That's great. <laughs> no, but- I'm going to get some marvelous Marvin Hagler quotes in there <laughs> to stick with the boxing theme. <laughs> but, but you do. All of a sudden, something happens and you're like, oh, my. Like, something comes crashing down. So funny, funny story. Last night I was playing uh, ping pong with my son, Caleb. Oh, here we go again. (laughs) And he's pretty good. He mixes in like different spins and different things. He's constantly trying new serves. I said to him, I said, I think I'm going to start working some spin into, into my game. And he's like, you don't know how to do spin, mom. I'm like, I can figure it out. I can learn it. And he's like, well, I think you need to know. So he and I both play tennis. He's like, I think you need to know spin better in tennis beforehand. And I'm like, I use spin. He's like, no, you don't. You don't really. I'm like, buddy, I have a spin serve. He's like, yeah, but you didn't learn that till your 40s. And I, I said, all right, I can still learn stuff. I'm allowed to still learn stuff. And I said, I'd like to embrace lifetime learning. And, and hopefully I'm still learning new things in my 50s, 60s, 70s, and even 80s. And he's like, oh, gosh, no. I said, okay do you think you know everything you need to know, Caleb? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, you're 14, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I kind of get where that statement's coming from. <laughs> but, but eventually I said, all right, just wait. Something will wake you up and you'll realize you don't know everything yet. And you'll hopefully embrace the lifetime learning. Because if, if you think you're there, eventually something will tell you you're not. No, I can say this because I'm pretty confident that our teenage kids don't listen to the podcast. My 13-year-old, we use a phrase often about her perspective on the world, which is frequently wrong, never in doubt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, 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 conf, the confidence and, uh, and expertise levels are so disparate right now. It's But welcome to the teenage years, I guess. To be clear, my son is amazing, and I know your daughter's amazing too. This is not. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> this is not bashing on the kids. <laughs> do, do, we need to, do we need to add that to the disclaimer language at the end of the podcast? Like, oh, any family dynamics commented on or surely for information purposes, yeah. not, not considered advice. So. It is just fascinating, though, how, how, how the confidence can show up mm-hmm. and to be aware of that. Yeah. I think. You talk about. The, the proverbial punch in the face, right? The, the figurative punch in the face, like when things kind of reality hits. That's really been the last two years as investors. Mm-hmm. It was really hard to do wrong in 2021. Everything was just number go up. You know, just it doesn't matter what it is. And the last couple of years, it's like, oh, maybe we can't do anything we want and expect a positive outcome because everything's just just fine. It's become more nuanced. And I think that's always a great place to have conversations with people. I don't know who said it, but, you know, um, something along the lines of, you know, don't let a good crisis go to waste. I think it's a great time to be talking to our clients about not everything's always perfect. And in fact, it's rarely priced to perfection. Let's talk about the constructive things that you can do to still say, um, ego, I'm not in control. And there are things that I can do proactively to improve my, my stance even if things aren't going exactly right, even if I'm not winning per se, or you know, it's just not where I thought I was going to be. Yes. Stock trading is a great example over the last few years where so much went up. There was, I mean, you remember back in 2021, there was just 
nonstop advertisements talk everything else about you know like robin hood trading and individual style and, and kind of gamifying it mm-hmm. the word gamify i think is really cool coming back to the crypto thing like who were the spokespeople for for ftx they had commercials running with tom brady the, the winningest winner who ever wind that's his persona and he was the pitch person for that and they had other you know athletes they were on sports stadiums like the analogy between investing is a game be associated with winners oh, oh by the way be careful what your definition of winning is and i think athletes struggle with that because you win at the the gamified portion of life where there's a scoreboard there's a championship all those things and then suddenly you retire and step away and you realize life is not gamified that's not that's not how this works that's not how any of this works there are much bigger stakes and I think that's the challenge or the, the difference between trying to go out there and win and get something quick and then translating that to what am I putting at stake? Or those lines get blurred, I think, too much if you go all in on let me get this quick fix here. I did that on Monday. Oh. When we sat down to do our planning conversation, I looked down kind of the agenda and the things we were going to talk about. And went back into my notes and wrote above all of it, dream big. Like, don't get caught up in the day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year definition of winning. You got to think bigger than that and and make sure that that's out there. Because you're right, the stakes are much bigger than what the ego thinks is important right now. The ego wants to be a winner, wants to be on top, wants to be better or the best and, and, and winning. But I think the better thing to focus on is your potential. And if you talk about the advisory relationship and defining financial success, the person sitting across the table from you should be the one who's looking at your potential and helping your money fund the best version of yourself. And I think sometimes we've, we have to divert that. Somebody will come in and say, let's talk about performance. Yes, let's talk about performance, but in context of what is it doing to help you be the best version of yourself? The extreme case is lottery winners. Great. You won millions of dollars in the lottery, but... There was no effort. There was no learning. There was nothing that went into that. And we know the track record of lottery winners when that happens. Mm-hmm. Now, our clients are not lottery winners, but there's there's pitfalls along the way where ego pops up and we have to t- come back to talking about not just who you are right now, but your potential. It's a challenge for us as a profession to do that because sometimes we want to talk about winning and being the best all the time, but it's a challenge for us as a profession to, again, address the human side of things and make sure it's forefront in the conversation. Mm-hmm. If you if you have questions about how being up or down in the markets, how comparison either with where your performance is or relative to others or anything else, just those things where you feel ego creeping into the conversation, reach out to us. We love having these conversations about how the advisory relationship can help to navigate some of the, the ups and downs emotionally and personally of the investing experience. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose. We hope you enjoyed getting to know us, how we approach leading a financial advisory practice, and the work we do every day to help families and couples make important financial decisions. Morton Brown Family Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This podcast is designed for educational and informational purposes and not intended as investment advice. More information can be found at www.mortonbrownfw.com. Buying T-bills as you're podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> <That's>... <laughs> this is high volatility stuff. 